I think if you're feeling something genuine, mm-hmm. that is your best shot of having someone feel something too. So it is, it's something people can lean into and learn. It makes me wonder what Miss T and Cookie Voice Cinderella Godmother <laughs> was thinking and feeling when she was doing that. Maybe she wasn't aunt and she was just like, whatever, come relax into the scene with me. We got this. And you could hear it. It was comforting. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. I'm your host, Jody Krangle, and this podcast will discuss just how sound influences our behavior. I generally talk about this in the context of advertising and marketing, but there are other places this is important too. I really feel that it plays a much more important role in our lives than maybe we realize. So let's delve a little deeper. This is the second part of my interview with Emily Rose Giddings. I love what you said about when I'm performing a script. Mm -hmm. I think that someone not in the know about what you do wouldn't call it that, but it absolutely is performing a script. That is blows my mind. That's so cool. I use some actor theory because I used to do theater Mm -hmm. in the way that I talk about all the methods I do with clients about confidence coaching, because I, I believe, and maybe you, yeah, you're a part of this. Mm -hmm. Excellent actors, ones that we love watching on screen and listening is the same thing because you can hear when someone believes what they're saying, you can hear it with your ears, or if you're watching them on screen, you can see it with your eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, an all right actor does a great job at acting afraid. I'm afraid, you know, and you're like, okay, they're acting afraid versus you performing a script being, you have to really genuinely feel those things, be afraid for someone to hear the fear and believe it. Same goes with watching it. And when someone's on stage or on video, I say, Yeah, I'm alone in my bedroom with this fake sparkle background talking to a computer. (laughs) I like your background, by the way. (laughs) It's very nice. Sheet off of uh, the internet. Yeah, like 14 bucks changes the whole vibe. (laughs) You're ahead of the curve. Lots of people are using Zoom right now with backgrounds, so (laughs) it's all good. (laughs) Just need a green screen and hey. So I, um, it is what you said about it. You do have to put your mind there. When I'm on stage, if I'm performing with my band, a lot of times people in the audience, no one realizes this. They're staring at you with like dead fish faces because they're just like, whoa. And and it's not feedback that makes you feel like rocking out. It's like, uh, does anyone like this? If they're watching and paying attention, it's a good sign. But the looks on their faces are like, if you've ever been sitting in a class, listening to a teacher, and you look back at all the students, you think, oh my God, how does a teacher handle this deadpan of a room full of faces? It's it's probably crushing their self-esteem. But it's um, when you're on stage or you're behind a screen on camera and you're trying to talk to people and feel good about it, I tell my clients to imagine they're talking to a room full of people who really need to hear this and they're so excited to hear it and be there. Mm-hmm. And when it's a stage, uh, a room full of people and I'm uh, as my band on stage, I think they all love this. It's about to be their favorite song and it changes the dynamic because you, without actually getting that feedback from people, mm-hmm. you are reaching out to them with intimacy because you feel like you trust them to catch you and they want this from you. And you have to... Just like you are performing a script, um, 
you are imagining that it's all real. And I'm on stage imagining they really like this. So I can bring that energy to it. Mm-hmm. You are, yeah, it's uh, you're creating your own imagined connection in your brain. Yeah. And there's a I big call it difference theater between- of the mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, there was a podcast called Theater of the Mind that's really s- psychological and trippy about manifestation I used to listen to in college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. yeah, it's definitely a mindset. And I think using our voices when you don't have a visual cue is that's definitely a skill for, for singing and speaking because you mm-hmm. want to impact someone with an emotion. You want to make them feel something. And that can be hard to do when you're not seeing someone's face. So yeah, but uh, you're imagining it. But you're, you're imagining going it. there. Yeah. 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 That that's it's exciting that you do the work you do. And I love everyone who opens up their mind to it. Because a lot of times as adults, we haven't imagined something in a long time. Granted, you and I have to because we have to imagine the space for us to get into that zone. You have to imagine what the script writer wants to feel or imagine performing the script the right way. It's like going into that space. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Well, when I say performing the script, I also mean getting the emotion out of the person listening that Mm. my client wants them to feel. So especially for advertising, because I don't typically do video games or animation, most of what I do is actually getting people to believe in advertisement. <laughs> oh, yeah. I listen to your, your website and the examples. <laughs> they There are some that are super sexy. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> it's amazing how professional and 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 sharp some of them sound and how like super sensual and, and like inviting and evocative some of them sound. It is a performance. It's such a variety. It's Impressive. <laughs> well, thank you. There's, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there is a lot that goes into performing advertising scripts, more than you think, actually. I think a lot of people don't really give that the, uh, the attention, maybe, that, that the animation and video games and audiobooks get. I understand why. I mean, certainly the theater people who love acting, you know, they, they tend to, to gravitate to the animation and video games and audiobooks because they love it. And I admire them hugely because they're really, really good at what they do. But there is a certain amount of that acting that has to come into even advertising copy. Um, corporate narrations, for instance. Oh, my God, they can sound so boring. <laughs> like, if you're not really careful, you could just drone on and on, you know. Instead, the company wants you to feel a certain amount of pride in what they do, and they want you to convey that pride to the people that are watching the video and listening to you talk about them. And if you don't have that suitable amount of pride without being overly, you know, prideful, because, of course, that's not attractive to anyone either. (laughs) So there's a really fine line, and... I think that line is pretty fine when you're talking about advertising and and corporate narration and industrial stuff that could be really boring otherwise. <laughs> so making that connection. Ask, yeah. I have a question for you. When you are doing something for a, a corporate thing and you are to feel this pride, I would imagine that you would try to go into a space of feeling genuine pride about the company. Mm-hmm. Is it a mix of that plus other 
secrets that you know about how to sound proud? Or I think everyone's everyone's um, experience is different. So for mm-hmm. me, when I try um, when I go into a prideful um, what they call an anthem read, um, mm. because it is an anthem for the company technically, mm. I. I show interest. I actually, like when you're, I think the the prideful and the interest together dials it back just a little bit. So you're actually interested in what you're saying and you believe in what the company has to say and what they have to do. And that comes through in the read without being too much in your face. Right. So, yeah. So I think it depends. Everyone has to mix their emotions. I don't think anyone feels one specific emotion only at a specific time. When you mix and mingle them, they tend to make, like we were talking about with the impressions and and animation people using bad impressions to make different characters. It's a mingling of you with the emotions that resonate with you that might get the Mm -hmm. point across to resonate with someone else. So, yeah, it's it's a weird melding. (laughs) It makes sense. Just yesterday, I was reading about acting theory. Mm -hmm. so interesting to me that the people we have on literal pedestals in our society are celebrities who act like other people. And I've been toying with and curious about the idea of it is a a prized human experience to be good at stepping into someone else's emotion and sharing that, or to be such a good imaginer that you display it with your body and your voice in a way that is captivating. I think that that might mean that it has important um, important information for how we can make our lives better or something, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or at least it's a prized trait in people. We prize audio voice actors and actor actors and people on stage and in video who can make us feel something. And I, the- I theorize, I wonder if it's that you take parts of your true experience, like I was reading in this acting thing yesterday, they say two deliver on a part if you're supposed to feel, I think the example they were talking about was someone angry pushing books off of a table. How do you do that in a compelling way? Mm -hmm. Well, you imagine their motives. So that would be like you imagining how prideful the company must feel about itself and then mixing it with your actual experience of something that has, for this lawyer example, made them that angry, that they would want to push books. Not you faking being a lawyer, but you thinking, okay, I'm this lawyer with this anger. I understand where they're coming from. And I'm mixing it with my personal memory of being so angry about this one thing that actually did happen to me. And for Mm -hmm. you, Pride, it's I'm thinking about how this company wants to sound um, professional and dynamic and innovative. And I can think about how I have felt when I've walked into a place that I was so proud to be a part of, that was this creative, ambitious, impressive place. And it's like mixing all of that to create a genuine feeling in Jody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all use our own experience to come at what we would relate to that would elicit that emotion in us. Mm-hmm. And hope that that translates <laughs> and and use our voices or our bodies or our facial expressions or whatever we need to do, depending on what we're doing, to convey that. But ultimately, we we really feel it. Yes. You know, and if we really feel it, then that translates to other people to understand we're really feeling it. So, you know, it tends to be more authentic for them as well. So, yeah, it's it's a... 
it's a, it's a strange thing. And, uh, and I think all of us experience emotion different, differently, obviously. Um, but being able to, I mean, even as a singer as well, I'm sure you do the same thing. When you're on the stage and you are feeling the song that you're doing, um, that you're performing, you are eliciting emotion. That's what you're doing. You're connecting with your audience and you're making them feel what you feel through your voice. And, you know, that's an, that's an amazing thing. The, the fact that humans can feel empathy is an amazing thing. <laughs> so cool. It's, it's magic. It's, um, I think if you're feeling something genuine, mm-hmm. that is your best shot of having someone feel something too. So it is, it's something people can lean into and learn. It makes me wonder what Miss T and Cookie Voice Cinderella Godmother <laughs> was thinking and feeling when she was doing that. Maybe she wasn't aunt and she was just like, whatever, come relax into the scene with me. We got this. And you could hear it. It was comforting. It might have just been her. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that might have just been how she was. <laughs> I mean, who, I, I don't so. I don't know. So, yeah. But uh, I mean, it's great that I, I love how you describe that voice. <laughs> Send That's you a fantastic. link. <laughs> Looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com audio-branding-strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website. And I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up, though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that too. Now, back to the podcast. So in confidence coaching, um, you uh, I'm assuming you um, talk people through how to use their voice and better connect with the people they're trying to connect to. How much is confidence a part of that? Is it like everything or is there more to it than that? Hmm, well... I think confidence, I I lead with saying confidence. I started out as going as the confidence girl on the internet Mm -hmm. because I think that's something people think they need. They Mm -hmm. think, I wish I was more confident. I wish I was like Jody or Emily or my favorite stars, gurus or who are on stage or on screen or whatever. And they think, gosh, if I could just get confident, then I could do it. But Actually, I don't just straight teach them the secret recipe of confidence. I Mm -hmm. uh, work with them to find goals that stir up their passion Mm -hmm. so that they can develop competence at something. It takes passion to stay working on something that you're not great at at first, to go through everyday minutia that it takes to get better at it, to persevere and to do it even when it's not fun or glamorous or comfortable at first because mm-hmm. starting out isn't comfortable. So competence, I would say, is a necessary thing for putting oneself out there. And as long as you have that foundation of, I have something I believe in that is 
good enough in some small way to share and be a value. Mm-hmm. We can start with that and put it out there and grow on building it and making it more valuable, refining it, and every day getting closer to it being something. Actually, even the first day, we can be proud of sharing that because what stretches us um, is good. As long as it's not too stressful, as long as we're mm-hmm. stretching a little bit and growing, then confidence comes from that. Confidence comes from saying, I showed up to this thing and I put it out there and it it's better today than it was just three days ago, just seven days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still have things I'm working on all the time. You said you're still having a coach all the time and mm-hmm. anyone who excels at anything is always working on it. It's not like you just woke up one day and you're like, I got an audio gig. I'm done. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. There's also things like you don't know what you don't know. And so if you keep on doing what you were doing before and it isn't all that successful, then all you're doing is reteaching yourself bad habits. Yes. So you, you, you need to know what you should change, you know, and it's hard to know that unless someone tells you. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's where the coaching comes in. It mm-hmm. sounds like what you kind of do is help them discover their why. And then once they figure that out, they can be more confident in getting that out into the world. Mm, yes, because if you lean into, uh, you have to have the, the clear, passionate goal that you're going for, towards. That is the thing. It's like seeing the castle on the hill that you want to get to. And there is a forest of brambles to go through. And every step will get you closer to the castle. But you know, the first mile that's all bramble, you don't notice that you're getting closer yet. And you have to Mm -hmm. keep looking at the castle and know where you're going and feel excited about how there's going to be a hot meal. And it's, you're going to be so proud of yourself and you're going to get the, the treasure to bring back to the community. It's the classic hero's journey. We have to know why we're going there. It's, um, it's, uh, I heard a quote once that I love, if you have lame, vague goals, you're going to have a lame, vague result. Mm-hmm. And I think just being clear and connected to your goal helps you persevere through what you need to go through to get really good. And I love what you said about if you aren't being corrected or, or like available for feedback on what mm-hmm. could change, which I understand for you, for me, for any one who's got uh, emotions is going to feel sensitive about to hear some feedback. But that's mm-hmm. um, something we've got to be good at and be graceful. Like, I'm sure for you, it's it's hard. It's hard for me. I remember when I, um, early on in my career earlier, I heard um, a manager was giving feedback to our manager, our label. And they said, well, Emily is pretty good, but she needs to work on her pitch. And I just felt like, damn it. <laughs> but they were right. And I mm-hmm. immediately started working on it. And that's, we've got to be graceful about that and be available for feedback and seek it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So in your coaching, do mm-hmm. you help people specifically with their, their voice when they're communicating? And and if so, how do you, what do you tell them to do? Mm. So with their voice, I say, before we get on the video, I want you to start talking already. It would be great if you would specifically use your voice to connect to what you're going to say in your video. Go through it a few times so that we're making connections in our mind and you can comfort, calm, and prepare yourself for what you're going to say because you you find your flow and your voice will be warmed up and you will be 
know where you're going with what you're saying instead of losing the train of thought and being like, oh my gosh, abort. I'm turning off this live and canceling. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have them do, like I said, the burbles just to warm up the voice, put on a favorite song as long as they it's not squeezing or squeaking or mm-hmm. um, I don't want them to lose their voice. Just something to make them feel good. I suggest Harry Belafonte to put you in a good mood, feeling sure. loose instead of stressed. Mm-hmm. And um, so when people, oftentimes people come to me mostly for what do I say? Not as much as the quality of my voice, mm-hmm. but um, how to use it is really more important. Mm -hmm. And I say that the mood is important because some people, actually a lot of people come to me with a presentation for video that is sagging of energy and not exciting to see. And the Mm -hmm. information might be there, but to be on video, I always say you've got to have two things, slightly bit more energy, just slightly than you would have with a normal casual conversation at home. And also realness because like you said, the announcer voice, that mm-hmm. can happen to people when they think they're being energetic on video <laughs> yeah. and it's really cheesy. And it's like, I don't think that's a real person and I'm tuning mm-hmm. that out. So yeah. we need to think we're talking to someone that we like. Maybe we've just danced around the room a little bit. We've warmed up our voice. We remember to take deep breaths so we don't run out of air and feel squeezed and nervous. Yeah. Yeah. So who's your ideal client then? Do you have a particular uh, type of person that seeks you out for this confidence coaching and understanding how to make better videos, I'm assuming? (laughs) Yeah, I have two types of clients that will come to me. People Mm -hmm. who are creative entrepreneurs who aren't finding a business coach that they feel they can connect to. There's a lot of business coaching huge spectrum of it. I say there's like the Bali babes who are hot and like laptop lifestyle chicks and there's the marketing bros with the baseball hats and the white boards. <laughs> yeah. And as someone who had to navigate marketing for my band, which I did by myself and then marketing as a coach and still being someone who was like, yes, I come from underground band stuff. I did DIY tours. I wanted to be someone accessible for creative entrepreneurs who need the mindset of how to keep showing up and build up the competence when they don't feel confident and successful already Um, showing up to strategy and accountability and all of that and using video to accomplish those goals of being authentic and connecting to an audience who will love them. But then there's also a lot of uh, consultants or coaches or service-based entrepreneurs, people who are trying to use video and Mm -hmm. they feel really awkward on it. And the other video coaches they're finding- I'm I'm raising my hand here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know what? It- it makes sense. It's not natural. It feels weird to look at a dot on a computer screen and act like it's fine and normal and comfortable. And I just teach the tricks I've learned to feel comfortable, confident mm-hmm. and normal. And like I'm talking to someone because, you know, when you're on stage and you can't see anybody and there's lights in your face, you have to make the stuff up and it helps you make a natural delivery. So yeah, it's very similar in voiceover. <laughs> Yeah, you're alone in a room and you're like, this is fine. Yeah, I'm alone in my padded room talking to the wall. <laughs> is it a good imagination or? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, 
It's interesting. <laughs> I'm sure the same thing applies in video as well. You know, same same yes. deal, right? You're you're talking to no one in particular and trying to make it sound like you're talking to someone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Probably yeah. like you, you you pretend you are talking to someone because mm-hmm. it comes across that you are. Yeah. That's where the theater of the mind comes in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So what are you uh, working on right at this moment? You mentioned you're doing an album, right? Yes. So I'm always doing two things, something for coaching, something for music. I'm working on a new album right now that I wrote most of in November, November Mm -hmm. through January at an artist residency in California. And now I'm really putting it together, doing the production, digging in, making a little bit more wild and Uh, I was going to tour with it, but now I think I'm going to actually just release one single at a time with a music video. So that's exciting. That makes sense, actually. Yeah, I think people are going to appreciate video a lot more (laughs) these days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a lot less hard on the artists, too. I mean, touring on a regular basis, especially if you don't have a big record label behind you, that's expensive and grueling and... A lot of other things. Um, Mm -hmm. My sister is also a performer, so she has done like small tours, but she's done some tours. And I know uh, another friend of mine who did a tour in the U.S. And oh, my God, the amount of work that goes into that, like it's insane. So it is. Yeah. I I, like while I feel bad for musicians right now, really bad. (laughs) um, I I think that a lot of good can come from this. You know, I'm wondering like there are actually I want to ask you this question, too. Uh, As a musician, what are some of the ways that you feel you can connect with your audience without going on tour, without needing to be close to them physically? You know, because we're all social distancing and on Zoom. (laughs) Mm. You know, what are some of your methods? That really applies to anybody working online at all. And it's, uh, yeah, that's important. So it feels unnatural to remind yourself to have a social media schedule. I mm-hmm. get it. And saying hearing that come out of my mouth, I even can feel how strange that feels. But it's just like making a weekly plan to see your friends or call them or text them. It mm-hmm. is the way people hear from us. And if I don't go there, people don't get to connect with us. And of course, we'll fall off of their radar kind of, you know, unless we're in a Spotify playlist that they just go to all the time. So last night we played a live stream concert and we are decided that was so easy. We're going to start doing that and start creating more short video content to mm-hmm. put on our page for people to connect with us and ask questions, reach out and ask people how they're doing, commenting on their stuff. It is, I know that it doesn't feel natural right now, but we are probably going to have to social distance for maybe a year to mm-hmm. some extent. It's going to be different. And if you're trying to stay connected, because we are humans, we are social creatures, it is proven that that human connection and socializing is important to our well-being, our length of life, our um, lowering our risk of dementia, just all these helpful things. So we don't get to connect in person. We've got to make that effort to connect in other ways. And that means deciding how you want to use social media. And for me, I like to reduce the amount of decision-making I have to spend every day. I don't want to wake up every day and think, how am I going to connect with people today? I just make a decision. I'm going to post two things every day. I'm going to reach out to, you know, people during these 15 minutes. And then I don't have to worry about it every day, but I'm putting ships out to go out and share my stuff. And I'm asking for 
asking how people are doing so I could hear responses. And I'm deciding to make videos and I'm deciding to do Zoom live streams of our music so that we can still stay connected to the people I want to reach out to when we do go back on tour. We just have Mm -hmm. to decide to reach out. It's like your weekly call to your parents. You know, it feels great when you do it. You just got to keep doing it. Yeah, it's true. Being consistent is is important. <laughs> then people mm-hmm. know where they can find you, you know? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Get more work. Great. You feel so validation. So how can people find you? <laughs> oh. That's the next question. Yeah. So, um, cool. Okay. Um, anywhere online for my band, Zigtebra is spelled Z-I-G-T-E-B-R-A. Zigtebra. And mm-hmm. even if you spell it wrong, Google will know what you mean and they'll find, they'll point you to me. It's pretty unique. <laughs> it's a zebra and a tiger mashup that just stuck. So, oh, okay. Okay. I see. Yeah. Um, uh, I like it. And your coaching? And coaching, if you look up Emily Rose Giddings, you'll find my coaching. EmilyRoseGiddings.com or if you look up The Confidence Girl. Fantastic. Well, this has been a fantastic discussion and I'm really looking forward to getting it out into the world to share. So fun. You are a joy to talk to. I hope your podcast blows up and I hope you have more awesome guests who get to enjoy the treat of your company and your beautiful voice. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available on all the usual outlets. Until next time.